0: And welcome to the Get More Sports Podcast. You're listening to Episode 6. Thanks for rocking with us once again. Where today's episode, we're going to break down Game 1 of the NBA Finals. We're going to talk a little baseball. Noah Sindergaard, the Mets getting a little salty after the Dodgers' huge, epic comeback the other night. But we're going to start up in Toronto where the Raptors, they get that huge Game 1 win. 118-109. to The Raptors... In the franchise's first appearance in the NBA Finals get the victory here in Game 1. And we know teams that win that Game 1, they have a great shot of winning it all, 70% of the teams that win game one go on to win the series. So the Raptors, they got that much-needed win at home. You know, the Warriors were coming in there trying to steal home court, and the Raptors were not having it. So the Warriors, they made it to five consecutive finals. This stage is not too big. They know what they're here to do. They're here to get it done. They're here to three-peat. They're here to win four of five. And their, their mantra is always strength in numbers. And for the Raptors... They're the team that had the depth. They're the team that had contributions from Marcus Saul, from Van Vliet, Danny Green, Kyle Lowry stepped up. But really, the night belonged to Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam was huge. 32 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and that's just a great story. Pascal Siakam is a guy who who didn't play basketball until he was 15. He was in the Cameroon. He he was training to be a Catholic priest, watches his first NBA game at 16, goes to New Mexico State, gets drafted with the 27th pick, and then he doesn't even play on the Raptors his first year in 2017. His first year, they sent him to the G League, And then he really, the light bulb turns on. He flips that switch. He wins G League MVP. And then last night, he had his NBA debut in an NBA Finals. And he just showed out. Big night for... For for uh, my man, Pascal Siakam, Disney, you need to get on that. Make a movie of this if he's able to win finals MVP because that's just a great story right there. So he joins Allen Iverson and the GOAT Michael Jordan as, the, as players to have their first NBA finals game where you score 30 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. So Pascal Siakam, he was the difference last night In a game where the first quarter was basically a track meet, you know, combined with three, it was a three-point shooting contest. They were just out there gunning for threes. The teams combined to launch 24 three-point attempts in 12 minutes. So it was breakneck to start, and then things started to settle down, and it was all about Pascal Siakam after that. He really just took the game by storm. Not only had 32 points— 14 of 17, an efficient 32 points, and he played great defense. And the Raptors, they just looked to push. At any time, at every point they got the ball, whether it was on a miss, whether it was on a Golden State turnover, they were pushing it in transition. 17 Warrior turnovers, and they turned that into 24 points. So 24 big transition points for the Raptors, 17 turnovers for the Warriors, 44 missed shots total. So the Raptors, that strategy works in game one where you just get the ball, get the rebound, and go the other way. But you have to be a little a little weary going into game two because you think the Warriors, they're not going to miss 44 shots again. The Splash Brothers aren't going out like that in game two. And you think they're going to be a little more careful with the basketball. The whole rust versus rest factor. They were off nine games. They had to get into a rhythm, so the Raptors, if you want to tone that down, make that a little more of a half-court game going in the future, that might be in your best interest, because you're playing with fire with this strategy moving forward, so Toronto, they only turned the ball over 10 times in game one, and they shot 50 percent from the field, 39.4 percent on three-pointers, so the Raptors, The most encouraging thing was that Kawhi Leonard, he didn't have his best night. He only made five shots, three of six from three. That was great. He played great defense like always, but it wasn't your typical dominant Kawhi Leonard performance in this playoffs where he's had 11 30-point games. So Kawhi Leonard, just his body language, just the way he was moving around out there, he didn't look like he was 100%. And ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski said, I think the feeling has been with the quad injury, he has been maybe putting more pressure on his knee, and some of that tendinitis has started to flare up. So apparently some of that tendinitis is starting to show up for Kawhi Leonard, and you can see it out there. He was kind of lumbering around a little bit, didn't look 100%. And what do you expect? This guy leads all players in playoff minutes. 739 playoff minutes for Kawhi Leonard. Yes, he's leading it in total points with 584, but those are 739 grueling playoff minutes where he's been carrying the Raptors on his back. And I just hope that he has enough left in the tank to get through this series to give the Raptors a chance to really cap off this big upset. In the final. So yes, other guys did step up. And Gasol showed up. Van Vliet, Lowry, Pascal Siakam was huge. But Kyle Lowry, he needs to do a little more. If he wants to take the burden off of Kawhi Leonard. Because Kawhi Leonard, 5 of 14, 23 points. You think if he's 100%, he shoots more than 14 shots in that game. And those minutes, 739 total minutes... My man Kawhi Leonard, they need to make sure that he's okay because they're really running him into the ground. Let's just hope he doesn't look like Degrassi Drake and end up in a wheelchair by the end of the series because Kawhi Leonard has really done it all for the Raptors in these playoffs. And it looks like it's starting to take its toll. I hope that was just game one. I hope he catches his wind and they're going to be fine. But if you're the Warriors, you've been here. You know that you're still in the driver's seat to steal game two. You know you had a lot of turnovers. Klay Thompson didn't play his best game. And you're likely going to get Kevin Durant back in games three and four. By the way, I just want to say, all these people saying Kevin Durant coming back might disrupt their chemistry, that's just ridiculous. They need Kevin Durant for them to have any chance of winning this series. That's evident by last night's performance by the Warriors because he does so much for them. He's won, He's the guy who's won back-to-back Finals MVPs since he's joined Golden State. So they need him back. Andre Iguodala, he's clearly dealing with a calf injury, a thigh injury. Last night, he didn't look great himself. Six points, six rebounds, seven assists. But they need to get him right. Boogie Cousins, he looked a little sluggish in transition. He let Marcus all get to the hoop on a couple of those easy transition buckets and Boogie Cousins, he looked better than I thought, but he definitely didn't look great himself. So, game 2 Sunday night, the Raptors they got it done in game 1, adjustments will be made. Kawhi Leonard needs to have a better night, needs to look more like himself because the Warriors they're going to try to get get that split and go back to Golden State. So, Look for Sunday to be a closer game than it was last night. Warriors, nine games off, game two Sunday night. So, of course, we can't talk about this series without mentioning Drake, right? Because Drake, he's been the talk of a lot of the headlines. And apparently, Adam Silver had a sit-down with Drake. And then he later appeared on Chris Haynes' podcast talking about Drake's antics. And if he's cool with it. Has he gone too far with the antics, with the massage? What's what's your take? I I want want to ask you that. What's your take on him and his interactions over there? You know, one, we appreciate how big a fan he is. And I know the Raptors do. I mean, I think he has the official designation ambassador. And it's not just now to Raptors and uh, Toronto, but I think as a Canadians for all of Canada mm-hmm. right now, and he's, and he's a global star. So hey, it's a, it's a huge deal that he's so engaged with the team and loves the NBA so much. Obviously there's some lines that uh, even ambassadors shouldn't cross, <laughs> and I think one, you know, in the heat of the moment, I think to give the coach a massage, I think uh, Nick Nurse said after the fact, I didn't even know, I mean just how much he's in the moment, I, I think he didn't even realize that Drake had done that. I think Drake understands that, you know, as excited as he is and, and um and as appreciative we are of his support that there's got to be lines drawn and obviously. And I think Adam Silver, man, he needs to fall back a little bit when it comes to this whole Drake in situation. I mean, Drake is providing some life in a series that just had its worst rating in years. So last night the ratings were not as great as they've been. It was an 18% drop, a 10.1 rating. And Drake, he definitely can't hurt, right? You know, he's provided some life. He's bringing in the casual fans. I know a lot of people online are saying that I don't even watch basketball, but I'm a Drake fan, so I'm going to tune in. And apparently the meeting with Drake really didn't do much anyway because Drake showed up wearing a Dell Curry Toronto Raptors jersey. And this is not one you can buy because this was an authentic jersey. This was a game-worn Del Curry, who's the father of Steph Curry, who played three years for the Toronto Raptors. He was rocking that jersey. And really, I don't know what the meaning of it was. I don't know if it was Drake saying that I'm Steph Curry's daddy or what if it was just a shout-out to Steph Curry, if it was an homage to Del Curry. I'm not really sure what to make of it, but clearly – some of the Warriors fans thought it was a little disrespectful. I thought it was a nice jersey. But if you noticed, there was a sweatband on Drake's right arm. And what was that for? That was to 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 block the tattoos that Drake has for Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. So, Drake, you have a Steph Curry. You have a Kevin Durant tattoo on your arm and you're trying to troll them. I don't think that's going to end really well especially when you've rapped about them multiple times in your song. I Steph Curry with the shot being cooking with the sauce, Chef Curry with the pot boy. Pop 360 with the wrist boy. And then also right after the game, he gets into it with Draymond Green calling him trash, and Draymond Green was not feeling the question in the post game. You to talk a little bit about that postgame scuffle between you and Drake. You got a question about basketball. It wasn't really a scuffle because I didn't hit him and he didn't hit me or I didn't push him or he didn't push me. We talked. We barked a little bit, but I wouldn't necessarily consider that a scuffle, not really what I personally would consider a scuffle. Thank you, Jeremy. So, Drake, he is embedded in this finals. He's going to be heard early and often. Like I said earlier, hey, Drake, if you want to make that leap to Spike Lee territory, you better show up in Oakland. I want to see you in Oakland sitting courtside. I know you're going to take heat, but Klay Thompson clearly is not letting this affect his Drake fandom. A Drake song comes up on a playlist or just plays do you skip it or do you take it out of the playlist if it's a bad song i'll skip it but if it's one of his hits i'll play it i've been a drake fan since you know i was in high school um he's a great artist do i like him as a raptor fan no but i like him as a musician he uh he's extremely talented but i will definitely skip this song if i don't like it and if it's one of his soft you know r&b songs i'm gonna skip it because i'm in I'm in kill mode right now, you know, trying to get these four games. So I'll skip hotline bling and anything along that line. So you better be up and goal and stay Drake. And also, Adam Silver, I mean, seriously, this guy needs to just, he needs to relax on the whole anti-Drake thing. I mean, I remember Jack Nicholson, 1991. He went full, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and flipped the bird to Scottie Pippen. He went onto the court and interrupted an interview with Jim Gray where he grabs the mic and he interviews Kobe Bryant, pats him on the back. I wonder if you'd mind signing an autograph for me. Sure, sure. So nice to see a man with dignity will actually sign an autograph and go on television instead of those bad men like Jack Nicholson. He won't even go on TV. You brought your top fan. What, you got any advice for him? For Kobe Bryant? Yes. Yeah. Go heat up. All right. Heat up and get loose. <laughs> That'll settle your nerves a little, huh? Oh no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. It's an LA family thing. You know, we both migrated to New York for this weekend. You know, Rihanna a couple years ago, she was calling Kevin Durant, you know, calling Kevin Durant out, yelling brick, telling bowing down to LeBron, dabbing, throwing up the rock. I mean, this is the NBA. You got to let these fans that sit courtside, especially these celebrities, let them live, let them do their thing, but. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about Steph Curry. So, going into this series, Steph Curry, two-time MVP, perennial all-star. I labeled him the best shooter the game has ever seen years ago. I've conceded that. He took that from Ray Allen. He took that from Reggie Miller. He's the greatest shooter to ever walk this earth. And... He's saying that the finals MVP means nothing to him. He's saying that he's not driven to win a finals MVP. And I'm saying right now, Steph Curry, you're a great player. You're one of the greatest players of all time. But if you truly want to enter that all-time, all-time great category, that all-time Mount Rushmore status, you have to get it done in the finals Not saying you haven't played great, but you need that finals MVP trophy to enter the conversation. So you say it's not a big deal to you, but everyone sees you now as a great player, and they're calling you the greatest shooter ever. Now, do you want to be the greatest shooter ever? Are you happy with that? Are you content with that? Or would you like to enter the GOAT conversation, the greatest of all time conversation? Just look at winners in the past. Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Dirk, Kobe, Paul Pierce, not really in the conversation. Dwayne Wade, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Larry Bird, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson. Now, winning a Finals MVP doesn't get you in the conversation because Andre Iguodala won it a couple years ago, and we know that he's probably not even going to make it to the Hall of Fame. But if you truly want to be at the table with the Jordans, with the Kobes, with the Kareems, the Magics, the Birds, the Shacks, the Hakeems, if you want to get in that mix, the LeBron Jameses, you have to win a Finals MVP. You got to get it done, and the table is set for you to do it right here in this series. You know, with uh, Kevin Durant going out, you could step up and win that Finals MVP. If you look at the finals 2015, 26-6 and 5, 2016, 22-3 and 4, 2017, 26-5 and 8, and then last year he had a nice finals 27 and a half, 6 and 6 and including a 37-point closeout game, but that wasn't enough. Kevin Durant still won that MVP, and you have to get it done. I will say I think he should have won it back in 2015 because Andre Iguodala, he's a solid player, a phenomenal role player on a championship-caliber team, but what did he win the finals MVP for, stopping LeBron James? Last time I checked, LeBron averaged 32.7, 13.3 rebounds, and 8.8 assists. Playing without Kyrie and playing without Kevin Love. So I wouldn't quite say that he stopped LeBron James. He should have had that Finals MVP, but regardless, he doesn't have that Finals MVP, and he needs to get it done if he wants to enter that all-time great status as far as top 10 to 15. Right now, Easily in the top 25. may Easily probably top 18 to 20 if you want to make that case. But I'm just saying the opportunity is there for Chef Curry to get that finals MVP and join that elite club. So, Steph, it's there for you. Are you going to seize this opportunity? So, now we're going to switch to a topic I'm looking forward to talking about. And that is the other night, the Los Angeles Dodgers who, if you're not paying attention to the Dodgers, they're having a great season out here in Los Angeles. And they mounted the, the best comeback of the season, the most epic comeback the other night. They were down five runs after the seventh inning. And in that situation, most teams are thinking about, hey, we can get them tomorrow, right? Most teams start to pack it in, right? Not the Los Angeles Dodgers. Fly ball left center field up Gomez makes the catch here comes Bellinger what a magical night from down 8-3 to win it 90. Here's the Dodgers they stunned the Mets with an epic comeback trailing eight to four in the bottom of the ninth Jock Peterson this guy he has an at bat It's one of the best at-bats I've ever seen him have. Nine pitches. He's fouling off serious gas from Edwin Diaz. 98, 99 mile-per-hour fastballs. And then he gets that hanging slider on a 3-2 count. And boom, into the pavilion. He starts to rally. Max Muncy, the funky Muncy, if you don't know this guy's story, he was out of baseball. Dodgers pick him up, and he's a, a definitely a legit major league player. And he's was been killing for the Dodgers himself. He goes up there and he hits a home run, his eleventh of the year. He makes it eight seven, and then Justin Turner he rips a double down the left. The MVP this year, Cody Bellinger, he doubles in the gap, and we are all tied. And the Dodgers, they complete the comeback after Alex Verdugo's sack fly gets it done. And it was really a spectacular comeback by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Who, they come back, they win the game down, or, or as much as 8-3, to three, they win 9-8. to eight. And going into the game, the Dodgers, they had been 0-16 in games when trailing, heading into the ninth inning, and not only that, they don't do it against some slouch. They don't do it against some, some middle reliever. They do it against one of the elite closers in Major League Baseball, Edwin Diaz, who coming into the game, he had an ERA of 1.64, 35 strikeouts in only 25 innings, and he was hot. Coming into the night, he only allowed one run in his last 10 appearance, and he had never given up multiple home runs in an inning. And the Dodgers just teed off on him like it was nobody's business. They get the huge win. The Dodgers walked it off. And it was just a clutch tonight. Jock Peterson, this guy is clutch. Earlier in the year, back on Jackie Robinson day, he had his own uh, walk-off home run against the Reds. So, you know, people out here are saying he's jocked in, he's locked in. Jock Peterson, he's clutch, and the Dodgers got it done. So the Los Angeles Dodgers They're doing big things out in the NL West. They're on pace to win 108 games. This team is just, you know, they set a franchise record with 104 games back in 2017. And they really would be probably looking at making a run for the all-time regular season's win record if it wasn't for their bullpen, which is hot garbage. Producer Clint likes to say... They're being held together by 99-cent duct tape, and they've really just been very disappointing. They signed Joe Kelly, who is supposed to be the big free agent signing in the bullpen. $20 million deal. He's been a mega disappointment. And if it weren't for them, the Dodgers could legitimately have a shot of setting the MLB record, which is currently held by the Cubs back in 1906 and the 2001 Mariners. Both those teams Won 116 games, but both those teams also didn't win the World Series. So the regular season wins record, I'm not too, I'm not too big on it. Of course, it'd be nice, but I think the Dodgers, they're more focused on trying to get those 11 wins in October, and I think they have a really great shot at doing it because of their approach at the plate. That game against the Mets was evidence that their new hitting coach. Robert Van Skoyak. you got to get to know this guy. He's only 32 years old. And he's really changed things up for the Dodgers. And he has them just straight raking at the plate. But according to Mets pitcher Noah Sindergaard... That wasn't legitimate. He was saying after the game, I felt great. The ball was coming out really well. I'm still scratching my head at how they were able to get those balls up and play on the fastballs up and in, in the zone. But I feel like it made a nice adjustment going down the way once I realized what their approach was. Really, Noah Syndergaard? You're accusing the Dodgers of cheating against you? You think the Dodgers need to steal signs to hit you? Yes, you have the velocity on your fastball. Yes, you're one of the flamethrowers in Major League Baseball – But someone needs to remind Noah Syndergaard just who he was pitching against the other night. He was going against the Los Angeles Dodgers, who lead the National League in OPS at 816. They're first in average at 264. They're third in home runs at 88. They're one of the best fastball-hitting teams in Major League Baseball. And really, that's what they do. They got on you after they saw you once, and then Seeger, Beattie, Verdugo, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. they were just barreling that high heat. And Dave Roberts said it himself, major league players... Major League hitters can catch up to a bullet, and that's what they were doing. They know the scouting report report on you. They know what you're going to do, and they just timed it up. They started their swing early, and they would go on to get some hits off you, okay? So that's what it is. I mean, your ERA is close to five. You gave up three runs. It was really one of your best outings of the year. You should just be happy about it instead of accusing the Dodgers of stealing signs. So. If I'm the Dodgers, I'm Robert Van Skoyak. I'm just taking this as a compliment. And Kike Hernandez, after the game, he mentioned a little, he took a little jab at the Mets and Noah Sindergaard after the game. But it was it was just what we needed. And uh, it feels good to, to win ballgames, win series, and, you know, uh, fair and square. You know- and so the Dodgers—they don't need to cheat to beat Noah Syndergaard and the New York Mets. The Dodgers—they're eighteen and four against the Mets in their last twenty-two games. The Dodgers—they own the Mets all time at three at three forty-three and two seventy-one. They don't need to cheat to beat the New York Mets. And just ask rookie Alex Verdugo. The Dodgers' rookie Alex Verdugo who's definitely a contender for Rookie of the Year, he got that sack fly game winner, that walk-off sack fly that capped off the comeback, and he'll tell you exactly why and how the Dodgers had that miraculous comeback win against the New York Mets. Listen to Alex Verdugo here. What does it say about this group of guys that's able to come back from such a deficit here in the ninth inning? You you were down to three outs in that ninth, and you were able to come back and beat these Mets. It just says, you know, uh, really... We're nasty. You know, the boys, the boys get hit. The boys get hit. So you look like Thor, but my man, you're not Thor. You're more like a Thor loser, and you need to just take that L and go back to the drawing board. The Dodgers, they stole Thor's hammer and they used it in the bottom of the ninth, trailing four runs. You know, trailing three runs, they score four, they win nine to eight. So I don't want to hear from Noah Syndergaard. No one's stealing signs. And, you know, this isn't baseball. This is baseball where stealing signs is really a part of the game. Stealing signs is a part of what makes Major League Baseball Major League Baseball. You know, if you look at the most, one of the most iconic home runs ever, the shot heard round the world by Bobby Thompson. Pretty much the second most uh, iconic home run behind Kirk Gibson's walk-off in Game 1 of the 1988 World Series. So, of course, if you know the story, Bobby Thompson, his walk-off on Ralph Branca, the famous shot her around the world against the Brooklyn Dodgers, you know, the Giants win the pen and that whole thing. The Giants admitted that their team was using a telescope from center field and a buzzer in the dugout to signal pitches to coaches who then signal the batter. Okay? So, That's advanced cheating, and that wasn't even going on. The Astros, the Apple Watch stealing signs. This isn't Balco with steroids or cork bats. There was no cheating by the Los Angeles Dodgers, especially when it comes to knowing what Noah Syndergaard is tipping off. And if you want to talk about cheating, I want to know what exactly you were touching on your glove early in the year. So... I mean, you looks like you're touching at some foreign substances, maybe some pine tar. It was a chilly night. Were you cheating? I mean, hey, it looks like something's going on there. So I don't think you're one to talk about cheating. So to me, if anyone's cheated, by the way, I think it's the Mets fans. And what I mean by that is the Mets fans were cheated out of Justin Turner. So Justin Turner... he, He said himself, this guy is motivated anytime it's the New York Mets, and he's motivated by the Mets not electing to tender him back and letting him go. So the Mets, they let Justin Turner go. He falls in the Dodgers' lap, and we love him in Los Angeles because... He's one of the best third basements in baseball. And since becoming a Dodger, his slash line is 305, 383, and 505. And he's finished in the top 10 of the MVP vote twice. So it fuels him. He had another big night the other night to make that comeback. He's the guy who's singled to tie the game off Cinderguard. And then he would rip that double in the bottom of the ninth and score the game-tying run. So thank you, New York Mets. And I'm sorry to the New York Mets fans who've been cheated out of Justin Turner, who's gone on to be one of the greatest Dodgers and have a phenomenal Dodger career. So that's going to do it for today. Episode 6 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to follow us anywhere podcasts are found. Twitch, Podcast, Himalaya, whatever you use, you can find the Get More Sports podcast. Don't forget to follow me at dmac_la. underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. You're going to find everything about the podcast over there. Hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for rocking with us once again. And see you guys soon. And I'm out.